Welcome to Hardware Addicts, a proud member of the Destination Linux Network. Hardware Addicts is the podcast that focuses on the physical components that powers our technology world. In this episode, we're going to deep dive into the hardware of the console wars between the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X. And we're going to play the game again, Take My Money with the host. So they're going to tell you which one they would buy We're going to discuss storage impacts on gaming for your computer. And finally, we're going to get to our listener favorite, Camera Corner with Wendy. So sit back, relax, and plug in, because Hardware Addicts starts now. I'm Ryan, your tech guide through the universe, and with me today are my two co-hosts, Wendy, our resident photographer extraordinaire and hardware enthusiast, along with Michael, the software sage and hardware padawan. So let's find out what tech adventures everyone has had this week. Michael, what hardware quests have you been on? So I've been trying to streamline stuff I do for making content on like video contents or getting like hardware to improve my... and. Really, this is, I, I admit, not the most exciting thing, but it, oddly enough, I am super excited about it. And it's teleprompters, or as the weird pronunciation of that they insist because of whether they're, how they spell it, teleprompter. Because for some reason, they have ca- three capital letters in one word. Sure, why not? Is that the particular brand that you bought that has the three capital no. letters in one word? Or No, that's what? just actually, the, it turns out that the, the word teleprompter is a brand. And that just became the generic term that people called it. But it that's just the name of the brand that created the concept in the first place. So, it's so people like just Kleenex. call it that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Kleenex. People just call it that. But that's just really what it is. I don't even remember what the brand is uh, that I got. You learned so many things on this show, not just hardware. Right? <laughs> you learn things about teleprompters. So how yeah. does it work? <laughs> so like the basic... Oh, I am a huge fan of the concept. It, it 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 also depends on the type of person who is using them and like how they flow in the way that they create content. So it's not necessarily for everybody, but it is definitely for me, and I'm a big fan of it because I did I set it up and tested it the first time yesterday, and I am super happy with the test because I typically have this issue where when I'm recording something, I will write down some notes and be like, okay, I'll remember it, I'll just wing it, it's fine, and then I forget. And I mess up and I change it. So I actually would try it like 15 times before I get to it. This time I recorded for like 15, 20 minutes straight with only like maybe two mess ups. And I just, you know, stopped for a second and it went back into it. And it was so much smoother and easier. And it's, I I still did ad libbing. How's the setup work with it? I mean, do you have to move all your files over to a special piece of software or do you just, well, Actually, it just uses whatever hardware you have, which is like the, the, what's cool about the, the the setup that I got. It's more of a kit rather than a full thing. So what it does is it uses your uh, phone or your DSLR or your mirrorless camera or whatever you have. And it just you can just position it because it has a, like the ability to slide up and down and left and right to position where you need it to be. And then you zoom it so it doesn't have the the outer casing of the thing. And what it does is it sends that you record through this piece of glass. And on one side of the glass, is just clear glass. The other side is a beam splitting glass so that it doesn't have any hazing effects. So the text looks clean. And then you have like this, this backdrop so you don't see any ghosting effects and stuff behind whatever you're recording with. So you don't actually need to buy anything other than this kit if you already have hardware. So what I did is because I don't have a good camera because I'm, you know, getting tips from from Wendy to tell me what to get. And, but in the meantime, I'm just going to use my phone. So I have the phone set up on one side of the glass and the other side has a laptop that's, that lays flat. It bounces off the glass at like, and the glass is laying at like a 45 degree angle. So it bounces off the glass and I can read the text and it looks like I'm just looking into the camera while I'm reading it. So it's awesome because it, it's, I just want you to be uh, honest. How presidential do you feel when you're reading from a teleprompter? <laughs> I feel so presidential. Nice. I feel so awesome about it. We are going to get this week in Linux live streams again. Uh, no, actually, That's a great I'm probably, question. Oh, Wendy. Probably, this is what I was excited for. I was hoping that this teleprompter means that Linux or this week in Linux was going to be live again. 
So the difference is I don't use the teleprompter for the show. I use it for like making videos and stuff. So like when I'm on camera, like that kind of style, I guess I could, but I wasn't planning on well, doing Well, now we're that. disappointed you in you. You're dead so to us. Sad. I'm so no, 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 sad. no, 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 no. I'm, I'm so using, excited. I'm using the teleprompter style yeah. in the same way that will allow me to do, because actually I'm going to transition <laughs> to trying it out for the podcast. So yes, that will be happening, but not because Now he's that. backtracking. Now that More Michael's like dead to us, Indirectly. <laughs> How indirectly did <laughs> how did you feed your addiction this week well actually i have this piece of hardware that's been sitting here now for a few weeks if we go back to the first episode i was talking about having some router issues the community came through here for me again joe the same guy who told me about the system i'm now using for my kitchen system told me about this router. It's the Synology RT2600AC, and it is an amazing little router. One of the features it has that I was totally excited about, since I have four kids, is in the software on it, you can say, well, this person is a child. These devices belong to them. You can set what time they access the internet and be able to give them more time, like extra bonuses if they don't try to access the internet early and all of these different really awesome parental controls. Wow. I realized the fact that I was so excited about this part actually isn't all that helpful for me because my kids need access to the internet almost all day where we homeschool. We do so much and I didn't realize how much I relied online for a lot of the content we do. So I haven't fully set that up yet because I'm like, yeah, they, they pretty much need access to it from the time they get up until we're done for the day. So now you could pick this router up used. It looks like for about a buck seventy five and new. It's mm-hmm. about two hundred and thirty four dollars. So it's a pretty pricey yes. router there. And I did get this on used, but I, it's hard to routers, I think, to be one of those options where. They're best to get a high quality one. Don't go skimping on your router. Don't mess with the network. Yeah, I spent a lot more than that on mine. So I think that's a good value, especially for the features you're talking about there. I got the mesh Orbi router in my home. And so it's not as expensive initially. I think it probably starts out with the one router and then think one little base station. But by the time you start adding in all the additional routers you need to cover your home, you're like four or $500 into the thing, at least in, in my case. It, it depends on the size of your home. Maybe if you're just covering yeah. an apartment or something, you only need the one. Right. But I love the features with the parental controls. That's very cool. Yeah, it I is. think that's actually, and you said you hadn't come up with a way to use it. You could just use it for, at least in the beginning, be like, you need to go to bed, so get off the internet and you just block it whenever they go to bed. <laughs> you could do well, that with your husband. tablets are already set up that way. <laughs> yes, no kidding. No, their, their tablets are already set up that way, so they'll only turn on at a certain time and turn off at a certain time. They have no access to use them other than that. Uh-huh. That makes sense. So, I like that. My router is actually super complicated and really expensive. It was like maybe $50 and I got it like six, seven years ago, but it's like... Needs to be still chugging along. Listen, no, big spender. It's, 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 it's kind of bad. It's kind of bad. It's kind of bad. I need to, one of the things I like about upgrade. this router is you don't have to set the frequency it's using. It's sending out both radios and then it's picking as to which one it's the device is going to use for which one is either less used or it can get the, the most bandwidth out of. It's been really awesome for these last few weeks that we've had it up and running. Very cool. All right, Ryan, what have you been up to? Well, I don't have anything as exciting as a teleprompter, but... <laughs> Who would, really? <laughs> I know. But I did get Nobody. sent some headphones recently from a company that uh, I guess they heard called Exa. They heard that I had set up a gaming station with my son and wanted to send some headphones for me to review on my channel, the Das Geek channel. And I already had HyperX Cloud Stinger Core headset for me and my son. And HyperX makes a pretty good headset. I wasn't looking for anything super high quality. We're basically just trying to keep the audio from going through the rest of the home by having the headset on. And even though we're sitting shoulder to shoulder, we're still talking through the microphone because my six-year-old thinks that's awesome. So (laughs) there's no reason to have a really good quality mic or anything. We've been playing a lot of Sea of Thieves together and having an absolute blast with it. So I've been trying out the HyperX CloudX Stinger Core headset. It's a big name. is about thirty nine bucks, and so I found a couple of them used. I think maybe I paid twenty dollars a piece, so I ended up spending forty for two. 
These nice. ones that were sent to me are also about $40, uh, currently at forty ninety nine. A lot of times there's coupons and things for them that will pop up on Amazon here and there. And they're called the Exa E900s. And I was really impressed when I took these headset out of their packaging, the quality of the build that they had. It's not a brand I'd heard of before. Seemed really solid. They used the leather, though, instead of the cloth for the padding. And this is actually one of the features, even though the sound is actually a little superior to the HyperX, this has caused an issue because it's not as comfortable with the sweating when you have that kind of fake leather material that they utilize yeah. versus the cloth that's on the HyperX. So initially, when I put them on my head, I was like, these are way better, way better quality in the build. It comes, you could use it with your PC, comes with a splitter, a really nice bag and all of this stuff for a really reasonable price. But I tend to just use the HyperX CloudX Stinger cores because of the fact that they use the cloth padding and you don't have the ear sweating if you're playing games for a long period of time. So I'll be doing a review on these, but I don't know if the company's going to be happy with me at the end of the day uh, when I'm done. But, you know, they actually are a pretty good quality pair of headphones. And I think from a sound standpoint and a mic standpoint, they're as good, if not better, than the HyperX brand we know. It's just that decision, which a lot of high-end brands use to use that leather, is really what got me there. So you tell them. I'm being honest. I think overall they're pretty good, but I cannot stand to wear them for a long time because your sweat sucks. Exactly. Yeah. You could also just say you're vegan in that way that you like can't use it because it's, well, it's probably pleather. I don't think it's well, like real cow leather that they're using. Prob- on these. Probably, but actually, I think you should. Have, we should do that in a future episode. We should talk about like headphones and, and like heads, like the difference between a headphone and headset, and also like the. You know, the difference between the gaming headphones and some like whatever other things like the audio file stuff, because I think that'd be really interesting. That's a great conversation. I love that idea because I'm yeah. a huge wannabe audiophile. I say wannabe because it's an area of hardware that, you know, I only know enough to be dangerous with. But I've purchased a <laughs> lot of headsets over the years between and there is a difference between a gaming headset and your standard headset you would use for something like music. So we'll definitely cover that in the future. Awesome. This episode of Hardware Addicts and the entire Destination Linux network is now sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean offers the simplest, most developer-friendly cloud platform. It's optimized to make managing and scaling apps easy with an intuitive API, multiple storage options, integrated firewalls, load balancers, and so much more. You can get all this plus access to their world-class customer support for as low as $5 per month, or you can use their flexible pricing structures for as low as 0.7 cents per hour. As Ryan would say, that's darn near free. DigitalOcean also offers 2,000 cloud agnostic tutorials to help you stay up to date with the latest open source software, languages, and frameworks. Get started on DigitalOcean for two months free with a $100 credit by going to do.co slash DLN. Again, you can get started on DigitalOcean with that $100 credit by going to do.co slash DLN. And we thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode. All right. So now we get to get into console wars. And I'm telling you, between the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, PC gaming is dead. You no longer need a PC. It's over, what? PC Master what? Race. It's over. Wait, what? What? Um, no. Okay, I'm completely kidding. Yeah. But there's some really <laughs> cool stuff here. There's some really cool stuff that they're doing here. We're going to dig into the specs that have been released to this point and figure out which one of these consoles we're going to buy as the host. So, you know, if you decide in the middle of the discussion there's something so exciting, you just scream out, take my money, but if not, then you can wait to the end and let folks know which one they should consider purchasing here. And of course, if you take our advice, well, that's just a terrible decision <laughs> to begin with. But we'll give you our take on it regardless. I want to know before we start, though, what is the history of your usage of consoles in the past? So we'll start with you, Michael. What consoles have you owned? What is your history with console gaming? Well, I've actually been mostly console gamer for the majority of my life. The only thing I I skipped the last generation with the Xbox One and the PS4 just because that's when I started doing PC gaming. 
and I got really into the PC gaming aspects of it. So that's uh, the, the rest of it. I'm really interested in, and I, I am look, looking forward to see what like the, what the different consoles have for this new generation. Because skipping one generation, I still wanted to be able to you know get back into it and maybe even play. I, I like the fact that there's some like backwards compatibility. People are that the different companies are talking about. So I'm glad to see that. But I think that my favorite console ever was the N64. And I've had like basically all of them when I, since I, when I was a kid, we had the Nintendo, the Sega Genesis and all the other stuff. And I, I think, I still think that my, one of my favorites has to be the Sin 64 because it wasn't the, you know, most powerful thing, but I really liked that, uh, the approach, the style of the games that were on that console. And I guess, uh, well, actually I kind of forgot about it and it's kind of sad, but I would say that the very close second and maybe even tying for favorite would be the Dreamcast. Love the Dreamcast. Nice. It's such an underrated console. And it was it was like the first ever console that had internet play, which is awesome. So a huge <laughs> fan of console gaming, although this last generation wasn't that interesting to me because it was just like, yeah, but my computer's super powerful in comparison. So like, meh. Interesting. Nasty. So Wendy, where, what is your history with console gaming? The very first console I remember us getting, and oh my gosh, I feel like this is going to date me. But we had a used Atari. Oh, so you're 80. <laughs> well, I know. Well, TRS like you. 80. That's the end of this show. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> so you had an Atari. That's great. So we so had a Pong. used Atari. Yeah. So I, I vaguely remember that. I was quite young when we had that. And then the one we had for the longest amount of time it was my brother's. It was a Sega Genesis. And he was. He loved Sonic. Absolutely loved Sonic. So I didn't play on it that much. Yeah. Oh, man. I spent so much time watching him play and get mad. Like his body would move as he's trying to get Sonic to go where he wants to and then getting mad. And I have not only a daughter that loves Sonic, which my brother would love, but I also have a kid that plays just like him on computer games where like his whole body shifts as he's nice. trying to. <laughs> that's, how you, that's how you get your character to move better. It's actually right. kinda, to me, it's actually kind of funny because it, it seems like you, your, your brother was, when you, you, you were kids, he was like the first Twitch streamer for you before Twitch existed. So That's right. Like, absolutely. Watching him play. And so that, that was kind of fun. And we had a Wii for a short time with a few games, but... I don't know what killed it. We still have it somewhere in storage. I need to take it apart, blow out the dust, see if we can get it to work. My husband's one wanting a new game console, mainly to play with the kids a little bit more. Nice. So this is something I'm looking into. Great topic for right now. So what I've been a PC enthusiast forever and built my own hardware since I was a kid. So PC has always been my primary way of playing games. I've always enjoyed console gaming. There's something about it that with the controller and just the ease of it that I've always enjoyed. When I was younger, though, it was more my brother. He was a Nintendo fanatic. So there was no Sega ever going to enter into our home. And console (gasps) gamers can be like AMD and Intel Right, they can you can have those same battles we have in the PC world between the console world of Sega's better than Nintendo or yep Sega all of that stuff. Well, see, you were a (laughs) Sega person, and we wouldn't have liked you as kids. I had a Sega Genesis, Sega CD, (laughs) Sega Dreamcast. Yep, Sega. I also had the Nintendo, but I would say the N sixty four was the was the exception to my preference. But Sega was always the dominant for me. Well, our listeners need to let us know which side of the Sega Nintendo battle they fell on, especially in the in the nineties when that was really hot. But today we're talking about two different competitors. While Nintendo Switch is over there, kind of releasing. Well, the Switch and its idea of having portable gaming and things like that. The specs aren't always, they're not really important to Nintendo as they are to Sony and PlayStation. So, it's kind of funny because Nintendo basically, in the console wars, Nintendo just noped out of that completely. Yeah, they. Yeah. I think they realize they're not going to compete in having the most powerful console. And they play to their strengths, which is a huge strength in their play, in their case, which is kind of having a niche way of playing or focusing on the portable aspects and they have a lot of fun games and a lot of families really trust trust nintendo that if they purchase one of those they don't have to worry about all the violence and and things that you'll see on some of the other consoles 
So, you know, they've got their place, but the big wars when it comes to hardware people, when you're really looking at competing with the uh, PC gaming, if you will, is the Sony and Microsoft battle here. And the two contenders have come out with quite an interesting layout in their newest consoles, and that is the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X, not to be confused with Xbox X, okay? Don't confuse it. It's the Series X. It sounds like a tongue twister of a name. Oh, my God. <laughs> so they, they are not doing well, I don't think, in the naming scheme. That hasn't that didn't play well with Nintendo when they did the new Wii or something like that. It really... That was a Wii U. Yeah. yeah. That it, seems to be a common theme on this show, us complaining about the way they've named Well, stuff. we got a marketer on here. I mean, so. Yeah, I apologize yeah, for pointing out how <laughs> all these terrible names are. But yes, the Xbox <laughs> Xbox is the best example, though, because it was like Xbox. Hey, great name. Xbox 360. Like, uh, that's kind of weird that you, okay, we assume 720 is next, right? Nope. Xbox One. But wasn't <laughs> the first one the one? What? Do you, what? And now, now they're just going off the deep end. Now they're just messing with your head. So we're going to start with the PlayStation 5, because speaking of marketing, Michael, when you saw the reveal of the PlayStation 5 logo, you must have been blown away by the studio that put that together. When you look at the PS4 logo, which is basically a PS and a 4, and then you see it completely change with the PS5, where they replace the 4 with the 5, talk about innovation. I mean, to be fair, this is just fantastic. Like the the style that they've changed it to is just amazing. Like you could see the difference between the number and the number. Wow, just shockingly good. The I want that guy. That is coming out of your mouth is burning my ears. Right. Well, okay. To be fair, though, I would say <laughs> that the PS5, the way that they're doing it, is good marketing. Now, the logo is boring and it's not much of a difference, but I would say in marketing terms, people have already established that logo as being this is what the PlayStation logo is. So they rec- you instantly recognize it, even though it's a lazy number change. Sure. But I think it's still OK because they have that market share dominance in terms of like the PS, whatever. They know what that means. And in terms of marketing, they understand that they already have a good name of PlayStation. You can just yeah. add a number to the generation and you're good. So it's just brand recognition at this point. Yeah. So I think that this decision is not a big deal. It it it's it is kind of fun to make fun of the whole, you know, you just change the number. But I think in in their case, that's what they should have done. I just want that guy's job. Like when PS six comes out, be like, I got this. I'll do your artwork. Like, and we're gonna change the font five. this time. Just kidding. <laughs> Same font. <laughs> So let's talk about the specs of this. You're going to have compatibility with current PlayStation virtual reality glasses, which for the Sony fans out there, that is a big plug for Sony having the virtual reality glasses that they do. I personally have not had a chance to play with them yet, but I hear they are pretty decent. They're not up to ocular standards or some of the other competitors, but they're pretty good and people have a lot of fun with them. So if you are someone who has purchased the very expensive virtual reality glasses that are out there, they're going to be compatible with the new console, and I think that's pretty awesome. But wouldn't there be outrage if there wasn't? I don't know how much these virtual reality glasses cost, but, I mean, holy cow, if you couldn't use them again on your new console, wouldn't you feel kind of cheated? Maybe. I mean, you could still use it with the PS4, but I think you're right. In the console world, backwards compatibility... When it comes to games and things, is very important. And with hardware as well, you buy this expensive accessory, you expect it to work. They are going to be rumored to release a virtual reality version 2 eventually, but there's nothing confirmed on that yet. So there may be an upgraded version. So I wouldn't go out if you're spending, you know, between the four and $500 this console is going to cost. I wouldn't go out and necessarily go buy that virtual reality glasses right away. It's backwards compatible with PlayStation 4 games. This is very important thing we talk about with console gaming. You got to have that backwards compatibility because when a new console releases, the games are scarce. This is when I bought the Nintendo Switch. I only owned it for probably well long enough to play the Zelda game that came out and then I got rid of it because there just wasn't enough games to keep my attention. This is probably I did the exact same thing with a game a Game Boy back in the day. Really? Just played the game I wanted and they got rid of it. Yeah. I think the backwards compatibility that was very important. I don't think the PS4 was compatible with the PS3 or 
something like that. It was one of the generations that they just completely broke compatibility. And, and I think that's the most ridiculous thing to do because I get two different generations backward compatibility is not possible, but you know, to have one to the other, these games are so expensive and you put so much time into them to the, like the, at the one point that the next machine comes out and it can't play it for some reason is just ridiculous when you have like PCs that can play these games for decades. Now, this is just a rumor, but they're saying that the PS4, and this is a big differentiator potentially between the Xbox and the PlayStation here. They're saying the PS4 may be, or PS5 may be emulating the graphics from the PS4. And we know how emulation layers work, especially those who've played with Linux and other things in gaming. And that can create, well, a disadvantage in the quality of the game you're playing and the frame rates and things like that. So again, this is just rumored to be the case, but I think they need to clarify that rumor pretty quick about emulating the PS4 games versus running them natively, because that could be a huge disadvantage to the PlayStation. Yeah, I think that's true, but also at the same time, the Linux gamers have Proton, which is a really good experience. So if because Sony is the people making both of those, they know how to make it work with the right emulation. So maybe, you know, they're the ones handling all this, all the pieces and it's all in-house. Maybe that's okay. It's one of those things we're going to have to see what it, how it functions before we can really say too much about it. Agreed. Now, this is where it starts getting exciting because unlike most console releases in the past, they kind of used up-to-date-ish computer hardware, gaming hardware, but it was never quite up to par with a, a full PC gaming machine. In this case, they're starting to use technology with the PS5 that isn't even out for your average desktop user to go and get in some cases, specifically with the GPUs. But we'll start with the CPU here. Sony's going to use the AMD Zen 2 CPU processor tech. It's going to have eight cores and 16 threads, delivering 3.5 gigahertz frequency. This is going to allow them to run 4K, 120 hertz refresh rate, have 8K support as well. And the PlayStation 5 would be running eight times Zen 2 cores at 3.5 gigahertz. And if you compare that to the prior PS4 generation, that was eight times Jaguar cores at 1.6. So this is a massive boost from the PS4. Massive boost. Huge. And you're also going to be able to run up to the 120 frames per second on this. So no longer can we make fun of the console gamers just dreaming of 60 frames per second. There's an opportunity here, depending on the game and things, if they take advantage of the hardware that's there to go up to 120 frames per second, which is right up there with desktop computing. Yeah, Yeah, if you're getting 8K support, what are you losing? So it it has it, but obviously you're probably not going to getting the full 120 hertz refresh rate or, you know, somewhere you're going to have to be dropping something, I'm guessing. So what are you losing out on if you go 8K? That's a good question. You know, we really, I don't know a whole lot of people that have 8K anything. In fact, I don't know anybody that has 8K anything. I only know the 4K and a lot of 4K monitors and even televisions are running with gaming and things at the 30 frames per second mark and and stuff along those lines. So I don't know at 4K if you're going to get the 120 frames per second. We'll have to see how that all pans out. Yeah, and in speaking of the not knowing people who have the 8K, I just want people in the, in the leave some comments below and let me know if you're you're also with me in the 1080p squad. That's right. There you yeah, go. Yeah, I'm still on the 1080p squad myself. So. 2K right. all the way. I even 1080p made it right. forever, except for 1440p, which is, I think is 2K. <laughs> so, okay. Yes. Good. This would most closely resemble, now I say most closely resemble it's not as fast as but if we were to try to find a desktop processor to compete with the specs that they're showing us here a ryzen 7 3700x it's a downclocked version of that but it's pretty pretty close from a spec standpoint of what they are putting into this machine so i think that will show you that they're going to be capable of doing some amazing things anybody who's used the new ryzen line especially the third gen oh my gosh they are powerful so this is going this to be a really beast. is sounding like a big desktop computer, gaming computer in a tiny little box. Yeah, absolutely. So they're going to be using something they're calling variable frequency. So what you're going to see as we talk about the specs of these two consoles is they're kind of both taking very similar technology and they're layering on these ways of boosting or 
trying to tap into certain pieces of power of the CPUs, GPUs, hard drives to make theirs the fastest or theirs the most superior offering out there. Because from a spec sheet, if you look at the hardware inside, they're near identical. So they're using this variable frequency, which is considered a boost. It allows a boost performance. Anybody remember the turbo button on the old machines? Oh, yeah. yeah that's I use it all the flying. time, even though it basically did nothing. Well, what this does is it analyzes workloads on the GPU and CPU and attempts to adjust the frequencies so that they match with each other. This allows the GPU to hit frequencies at a high rate without power spiking and lowering performance and things like that. So it's an interesting thing that they're throwing in there. We'll have to see how it works out for them. It's a custom GPU based on AMD's RDNA 2 architecture. We can't even get this thing. We don't, we don't, there's really nothing out there that AMD's released to the market yet like this. So they have a new GPU in there, promises 10.28 teraflops and 36 compute units clocked at 2.23 gigahertz, also variable frequency. So those with a PS4 currently, you have 1.84 teraflops compared to 10.28. So that is insane. That is crazy. I was about to say, hey, I knew understood all of that. I'm kidding. I don't understand any of it. But that the context of the four for the five is like that number, you know, the PS4, PS5 logo thing. At least they didn't like skimp on the teraflops. Yeah. Here's the thing. If you're going to upgrade something as expensive as a game console, then it needs to be worth it. This is one of the things that shows that they're actually making major upgrades in the hardware, both in the CPU and the GPU for an overall better performance of this new console. Honestly, this is the first time I think that the upgrades are actually upgrades because like last time PS4 to PS3, yeah, they're better hardware, sure, but not significant enough to care. This one seems like they're competing with desktop here in a big way. I feel like, I mean, this is definitely stomping in PC territory for, for certain. Teraflop, by the way, since you said you don't understand any of that, is capability of a processor, trillion floating point operations per second. There you go. Yep, so totally got teraflop. it. Thanks. Got it. <laughs> teraflop. It's actually just fun to say teraflop. I, I like anytime it's like the, you know, the, the processing stuff is like the peta, petaflop or teraflop or whatever. It's like, yeah, that's fun. I like that. Usually these, ac- these acronyms are terrible, but that one's a good one. That one's a good one. You also get ray tracing support. So this ray tracing thing that NVIDIA was all excited about having, well, AMD's got it too. So you've got the ray tracing support in there. 16 gigabytes of GDDR6 RAM. GDDR. Rolls. Right off, off the, the tongue. tongue. Yeah. Right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> now, this is where PlayStation 5 really tries to differentiate itself. It's got a custom, meaning you can't get this anywhere else either. 825 gigabyte solid state drive, input output of 5.5 gigabytes a second raw or compressed 8 to 9 gigabytes a second. They're claiming this can load a game in less than one second. Now, This is so important. As somebody who's been playing console games with my son, the loading times for these games is so obnoxious compared to a PC. You just have to sit there at these screen (laughs) after screen and waiting for this thing to finally load it. And I have the old version of the Xbox One, and my son uses the Xbox One S. And the Xbox One S still loads much faster than the original, but it, it's painful. It's minutes of time to the point where when my son's like, hey, can we game? And I look at his schoolwork and decide if he's done good enough to game. Then I go, okay, well, go set everything up. And I get to watch TV for another 10, 15 minutes while everything loads. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a huge advantage when they're talking about this SSD. And this custom one that they're using is really impressive using... I believe 4.0 PCIe technology here, which was a big push on the AMD Ryzen third gen here with the motherboards that came out with them with the PCIe 4.0. So they're leveraging that. You've got external uh, expandable storage with an NVMe SSD slot. So you can put additional storage in and USB hard disk drive support. So that's pretty cool. So is this a standard one? It doesn't have to be special bought from them. Well, if you want to replace the current one that's in there, there's nobody that I understand on the market 
it has anything this fast. That's what I've heard. I haven't actually taken the specs. Well, for and your tried expandable storage, for but your for your expandable, one. you can just go get a standard NVMe. Nice. I like this. Like this, the the this. It's a weird when you said it, like they made a custom SSD with like eight hundred twenty five gigabytes. That, that's a weird number to choose, but it is an odd number. Yeah. Yeah, but it's. I assume it's because that allowed them to still get the speed that they wanted, but also having a, a giant number for the storage. They actually have like a lot of storage, but not just go for storage, also go for speed. So I like that. You've got a 4K Blu-ray player, so you can play Blu-ray videos still on this. I know that was a big selling point when Sony PlayStation first came out. You could play DVDs on it, then you could play Blu-rays on the newer versions, and now you could play, still play your 4K Blu-ray I'm just wondering if I can use my uh, Betamax or uh, VHS on there. You know, I don't think they have LaserDisc <laughs> either. They need to add support for that. Disappointing. So really the biggest feature here is the SSD for the Sony. They did a demo here of a Spider-Man and it loaded in under a second to prove their point. And they did the same demo on a PS4. It took over eight seconds to load the same screen. I think this is huge that they're doing this. This is also going to improve ways of installing patches because it's not going the way they're going to install patches now is it's not going to overwrite current blocks. And so and also can download modular parts of a game. So they're really leveraging all of the speed of this machine so that they can do things like modular loading, which means you could download just the multiplayer version parts of a game and start playing immediately while the rest of it's still downloading, which is a pretty cool. That's nice. awesome. Yeah. I really like that. So it's kind of like transactional updates for the software people. So now let's get into Xbox Series X. So you get the same. Can't wait. What? What? I can't. I can't wait to talk about the worst product name ever. Let's go. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> so you get the same 16 gigabytes of GDR GDDR6 RAM. So that's there the it same. Goes as rolling the, off the tongue. Yeah, again. exactly. Perfect name. Uh, so it's the same as the PlayStation Five. You get an eight core, 3.8 gigahertz custom Zen Two. Now remember, the PlayStation Five only had 3.5 gigahertz. You're getting point. Eight with the Xbox. Nobody's yelling, take my money yet? Come on. No, because I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's like, it seems not a very significant difference. So I'm going to... We're, we're at 0.3 gigahertz difference so well, far. There's a little bit of trick they're playing here, though, because the 3.8 is without simultaneous multi-threading, AMD's version of hyper-threading, which some of you who are into CPUs understand that, you know, splitting the physical cores and the virtual cores. So they're kind of cheating a little bit in their boost, but... You know, it's it's still a little bit faster. Now, if they enable SMT, I wonder what happens to that 3.8. It probably falls more along the lines of 3.6 or something like that. So very, very minor difference at best. Very compatible or close there. You've got the 4K, 120 hertz refresh rate, 8K, 8K support as well. You've got the custom AMD RNDA Navi 12 or uh, Navi line with 12 teraflops, 52 control units at 1.825 gigahertz. And this also supports ray tracing. So PS5 has less compute units, 36 versus 52, but the PS5 has a higher frequency at 2.23 versus the 1.8. So you can see they're taking this custom hardware and they're tweaking it in different ways to kind of try to give one advantage here or there. But at the end of the day, when it comes to the CPU and GPU between the two, I'm calling this one a tie. That's how I feel. Yeah, they're yeah. Pretty it seems like things. the the Xbox though has the a little bit more teraflops. So I guess I don't know if that matters. It just sounds fun to say. That's you just wanted to say. It I again. just wanted to say it again. You're right. That's it. <laughs> now this is where the differentiator comes in. You've got a one terabyte custom NVMe SSD versus the 825 gigabyte. The input output of 2.4 gigabytes with a raw 4.8. That was compared to the 5.5 versus 8 to 9 gigabytes a second compressed with the Sony. So you've got a much faster hard drive in the Sony. Yeah, like double almost or something. You've got the Seagate proprietary external one terabyte SSD expansion card, USB 3.2 HD hard drive, hard disk drive support. So on the Sony, I can pick up an NVMe SSD for an external and it doesn't have to be from Sony. But with Xbox, I need this proprietary external in order to expand my system. Well, that's for the external one terabyte SSD expansion card slot, but you can also plug in an external drive of your own 
So you, you could, you could have the, as long as it's running through the USB port. Right. But so for the, I think, I think the, the NVMe version is that you would still need this, the Seagate proprietary thing. So if you're, if you can use this USB, sure. But I think the Sony has both also USB and using your own NVMe. So I think that on this particular piece, the Sony's winning. Kind of. You could use your own NVMe as long as it meets those speed specs. So you will have the ability to go out and buy your own, but probably not on day one. Gotcha. Awesome. You have Xbox One backwards compatibility with no emulation and upscaling. So they're going to upscale the Xbox One games uh, in addition to running them natively. I like the sound of that. Yeah, that that is a very big win for them because there's a ton of games out there for Xbox One. And of course... You've got the 360 games out there digitally and things as well. You've got your 4K Blu-ray player as well. So those of you who are still using the physical Blu-ray players, you've got an option to play those. They're using something they're calling Xbox Velocity Architecture, which features tight integration between hardware and software and is a new architecture optimized for streaming of game assets. Blah, 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 blah. (laughs) This is allowing 100 gigabytes of game <laughs> assets to be instantly accessible by the developer. So they're basically, there are different ways that they are trying to draw in the developers to say, hey, if you build over here, we're going to have a lot of power available to you for games and game assets to run the best possible version of your game over here on Xbox. So in conclusion, nobody's yelled, take my money yet, including me. You've got, Xbox Series X and PS5, obviously the winner out of both of them is AMD because... Oh, absolutely. You know, AMD yeah. got both of them. That's just awesome with the CPU and GPU. I mean, I'm, I'm glad they're actually doing that because, you know, AMD, you know, the more they get these kind of partnerships, the bigger they can battle in the competition in the regular, you know, space. So I think this is good in that sense. But I, I think that if if I have to choose, do I have to choose? We put okay. a gun to your head, a virtual one. Oh, okay, okay, that's good. So social distance, and you're done. too slow. Well, that's rude. <laughs> uh, I'd probably go with the PS5. I, I think that the the stuff that they're offering is more interesting, and I also think that the, the double the speed of the SSD is a very important thing because, like, when I did do gaming. Uh, there was times where you had to wait ten minutes or whatever, depending on if like with loaded everything, and I also. I don't think this is a problem now, but there I remember the couple times where you got some games and you had to like you you launch the game with one disc and then you had to reload it with another disc. You had to actually turn it like not turn it well, off. You are you old open. school. Yeah, but th- that's what that was just a 360. I remember having to do that on the 360. Yeah. So that that kind of ridiculous stuff, you know, they might try to push it even farther along the lines even with this stuff. So maybe that would be so I think that the the faster load times is more interesting to me than the than raw power of CPU and GPU that Xbox has tapped. Come the on, raw man. power of 0.1 gigahertz. <laughs> well, before we let Wendy make a decision, I want to give you all one more piece of information here. For the PS5, it will have exclusives like Godfall game, which looks amazing, and some others that are not announced yet. With Xbox, they're saying there's zero exclusives because... Every game that works on the new Xbox also has to be available for PC. That is such an interesting move by Microsoft. Such a smart one, because think about it. Sony has no play in the PC market. This is where I think Sony is missing out tremendously of not picking up officially supporting something like Linux out there or another operating system where you could play Sony PlayStation games so that they can compete head-to-head with Microsoft. Because if you're someone like me, where I have a PC and I have a console, maybe I only want to play the games with my kids on the console, but more violent games and things like that. I want to play on a PC where my kids aren't around. Now I can play those games on both. And if you use Xbox's subscription service, it allows me to download on either or. So once I get that subscription service, if the game is available on their stream service, for the Xbox, I can also download it on my PC, which is pretty powerful feature. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, now it's harder for me to choose. Okay, so I think that that's really good idea business wise in terms of marketing and stuff. They're getting, they're making it possible for you to do not have to worry about like you have to have this console to play this game. I kind of hate that, 
And I think that it'd be good if I agree that if Sony had some kind of deal with some kind of operating system that to do that made it possible to, you know, have that option. Uh, that's one of the reasons I actually didn't like using consoles in the last generation is because of the whole exclusivity stuff. Yep. Um, yeah. So now I don't know. Wendy. Uh, see, I'm, I'm trying to decide. Bang. Here. You took too long. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I give Michael crap and then I'm the one taking forever. It's it's hard for me to decide. I really like the speed of the SSD for the PlayStation, but being able to play the game. So if I buy the game, I have the ability to play it on both the Xbox and PC. I don't know if you buy the game. I know if you get Microsoft's streaming service that they have where you can you basically sign up for a monthly fee and they have a whole library and it's a nice library of games that you can play. It's what I use so that my son, you know, he gets bored of one game. I just download another to the consoles and then you're good to go. And then you're good to go. Now, if you get that, I can play those same games in windows that I play on Xbox. Yeah. Except for, I don't run a windows machine and I don't want to. So I'm probably going to go ahead and go with the Sony for the faster load times. But if I could play the games on my Linux system, then I'd be totally down for the Xbox and the subscription. Interesting choice. I'm going with the Xbox because the ability to play on both the PC, even if I have to boot into Windows and play on Xbox, is pretty tempting to me. And I think Xbox just has... They're going to have a lot of the game development studios that they've purchased over the years bringing a big draw to the games I'm going to want to play, like Halos and things like that. So I'm going to have to go with Xbox here. Even though I have a PS4 and the Xboxes, I tend to play the Xbox more. So that's interesting. I was the first one to pick a, make a choice, and then I retracted it because I didn't know. And now I'm the one who's splitting the difference between you two. So I'm going to choose. I'm going to make it Wait, really Wait, remember easy. how mean Wendy is to us. Fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) I'm going to make it easy for the people listening to like the choice. I'm going to make it. Well, actually, I'm just going to make do a cop out and cheat. I'm going to choose the PS5 simply because the Xbox Series X is such a stupid name. On principle, they can't have my money. Wow. So we got two Sonys take my money, (laughs) one Xbox take my money. And the true deciding factor here will be your vote, the community. So let us know which one you would pick up. If somebody handed you between four and $500 for one of these consoles. So Xbox is rumored to have two models. One will be around the $400 mark, one at the $500 mark, all this subject to change. And the rumor is the PS5 was somewhere between four or $500. What people are starting to say now, there's leaks showing it's closer to that $400 mark. That's what you have to spend to pick one up. And also just to be clear, the Xbox, different two models, one model is the Xbox Series X. The other one is the Xbox Series X Series 10. Yes, that's great name. I don't know if that's true, but it probably is true because how terrible they are. I, it it was so dumb, I believed it. So there you <laughs> go. There goes Michael spreading rumors. <laughs> My bad. So we're going to go through the brain filler really quick here because we kind of touched on it already. But does faster storage drive help with game performance? Wendy, yes or no? Absolutely. Michael? Probably. I'm not really that familiar with that kind of stuff, but probably in terms of like how to load faster and that kind of stuff for sure. So the answer, yeah, exactly. Yes, in certain conditions. If you have large games with big open worlds, which is now something that the console gamers can enjoy with their faster drives, you're going to see a big improvement in your loading times. It allows for games to install and load much faster and allows for developers to take advantage of partial installs like we saw with the PS5 during load times, fast travel, you know, the elevator scenes we're all used to seeing so that the game can load the next level. (laughs) All of that can start to go away. This can, though, rarely, rarely, it can impact frames per second as well because developers don't have to work around storage delays with things like those elevator load scenes. So there are certain games that have been proven there. If you have a faster drive, you can get better FPS if the developers take advantage of that. And it depends, again, on the game and things. But in general, no, you're not going to get better FPS. You're just going to have a better, faster experience getting into the game and playing it and even installing it. But there are certain times where you can get better FPS as well in the game itself. Hard drives matter. Don't go buy the cheapest thing you can find. I remember having that conversation with you, Michael, when we were building your machine. Don't go cheap on this. This is Wow, that did not happen more than three (laughs) times. So uh, it wasn't actually that bad. 
If, if we look at computers in general, right? You don't want to run your games off spinning, spinning rest anymore. You want a nice fast SSD to not only install your games on, but to run them off of. They play so much smoother that way. I learned the difference between a fast SSD and a slow SSD because I didn't realize that there was a difference. And when I sent a link to, to Ryan's like, hey, how about this? I'm like, no, just no. Here's the one you get. I'm like, oh, okay, cool, thanks. <laughs> and this is great advice if you're building a machine. I have benchmarks on my channel where I have stomped CPUs that on paper are faster than what I was running, had far superior specs, better video card than I had, for instance, and was stomping them in benchmarks. And that's because it's about what you pair your components with. If you have a bottleneck in there, you're using a slow hard drive, you're using an inferior quality of RAM or very slow RAM, a really poor quality motherboard, you're going to have bottlenecks. So you may be able to say, I have the 2080 Ti in there and that's great. And I'm stomping you with a 580 AMD because you have so many bottlenecks in the rest of your system that you went cheap on that your system's not performing at its optimal rate. Because keep in mind, when you're seeing benchmarks from the big companies, they're pairing it with the very best stuff out there on the market. Yeah, it's kind of like compare. It sounded like pairing your meal with box wine versus Pinot Noir. Wow, I don't know anything or, about or wine, wine, but maybe you could I don't either. That was the first one I could think of that actually had a name. <laughs> All right, so Wendy, it is your turn now. Get into the very popular camera corner for us. Awesome, and we have a few more listener questions this week. And the first one comes from our very own Eric Adams, one of the hosts of DLN Extend. And he says, you mentioned most DSLRs not being able to continually record video. I wanted to get a better alternative to a webcam, one that I might take into the field for video production. What would you suggest? I'm not looking for high-end gear, just something that's reasonable and easy to work with. So for me, when we're talking about high-end, low-end, numbers here really matter because what somebody considers mid-range would could be somebody else's max price. So on some of these questions, if you have a budget that you're needing to work with, um, saying what that is could totally help. But I, I use Sony A6000 is an absolutely wonderful option. One thing I like about if you're going with a camera over a video camera, is the mirrorless ones, their sensors are made to run and be turned on for long periods of time. So my DSLR, while it can take video, it is not meant to have that shutter open all of the time. And the sensors on the mirrorless that's the only thing you're seeing the image through is that sensor. So they're made to stand up to more heat to be on longer. Another great thing about the Sony a6000 is if you wanted to connect it to, say, your computer and use it as a webcam. I've seen lots of different reviews of people using this camera as a webcam. That's what I do. Out. You could be Yay. like me. Be just like Ryan. <laughs> well, the, the best part is, as you know, is it's got a clean video output from the HDMI. And, and what does that mean? That means that you can set it so it's not showing what any of your settings are. It's not showing what your shutter speed or anything that that is on the output. And you can use the video that it's outputting as your direct recording material. So the clean video is implying that it has nothing but the video there, no overlays, no nothing. Exactly. Like that. It, you're getting just the video. Nice. Jacob says, I've got a Tamron micro telephoto lens and an adapter for my Sony mirrorless camera. The lens is still not very clear, but it was a great find for 20 euros at a flea market. That is an absolute amazing find. I have to say great job on finding that. I get lots of color artifacts. How taboo is it to simply desaturate the photo and release them as black and white? In reality, there is a whole bunch of a large group of people that shoot their images knowing that they're only going to be black and white. What are they all trapped so, in the 50s? We got color now, people. Yeah, but black <laughs> and white can be so beautiful. That's One of true. the favorite portraits I've taken of my husband is done in black and white. And usually when you're doing black and white images, you've got things a little more contrasty. Your light can be a little more harsh. So there is nothing taboo 
with desaturating and having just a black and white image. And it's, it's even more fantastic when it's not something you're doing. You're like, oh crap, I don't like that. When you're shooting for the purpose of knowing that this is going to be a black and white image, it'll change the way you think about that shot and how you create that shot for the end product. He also asks, is there something I could do with the hardware to reduce the coloring artifacts or should I just live with the desaturation? My biggest tip here is if you want to continue to use this lens and you're not liking the artifacts, you might be able to take it to someone locally who can clean that lens for you. And typically what happens is there's a grease that's used for the focusing mechanism on those. And over time, it gets old and breaks up and it can put a layer or a film on the inside of the glass in that lens. So you can take it to someone and have them clean it. I guarantee it's going to cost you way more than what you paid for it. And if you're willing to give it a shot, there are a lot of tutorials online about taking some of these old lenses apart and cleaning them up yourself. So if you're brave and willing Ooh, to like give it a try, advice. yeah, yeah give that's, ahead that's and clean right it yourself. However, I am not responsible if the lens doesn't work anymore. <laughs> but, but on the bright side, it was only 20 bucks. So, you know, exactly. Only, it, it's one of those lenses that he hasn't spent a whole lot of money on. And, it, you know, it's worth taking apart if he's okay with it not working anymore, if he doesn't get it put back together right. There's one of those things, there's a lot of little intricate screws on the inside that make it work. So, finding a tutorial and making sure you're tracking your steps all along the way so you can get it back together. But having it cleaned is about the only way that you can get rid of the artifacts that are on that lens. Our last question this week is the one we started with last week from Astronaut Supplier. And he was asking what some of the good open source firmwares were for different cameras. And I found three options so far Two of them are for Canon. So which one are you going to use? Well, you don't have a Canon yet, so I guess you're only going to use the Nikon one. Right. I don't have a Canon one yet, and I can't use the Nikon one. So the Nikon, it takes the firmware update, and you run it through basically a website, and it updates that firmware package with the extras. So being able to record without time limits. And I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that you can add onto this firmware to get more functionality for your camera. But on the Nikon, it completely overwrites the current firmware on it. And there has to be an upgrade previously available. And they have to have been able to go through that that firmware and make it updatable. So there's a whole lot of caveats to that. And for my camera and the current version of software that I'm or firmware I'm already running on it, it cannot be updated at this time. It's time to go Canon, Wendy. Sell all of your equipment and go Canon. (laughs) I already told you if I'm changing, I'm going Sony. Okay, go Sony. (laughs) I didn't find anything for Sony yet, which completely shocked me. Sony has been fantastic when it comes to letting you unlock the bootloader and load custom firmware onto phones that I really expected to see something on this in their camera line. And right now there's absolutely nothing though. Really with the functionality that Sony gives you on your camera, you get so much of what the quote unquote extras you're getting from custom firmware firmware on the Nikon and Canon that Sony overall, I think is still the better option. If everybody gets what they already want, there's no reason to make the extra other alternatives. Well, some of us always want more, right? I mean, you can't help <laughs> it. Sure. There's this thing that the manufacturer didn't give me, but I can totally make it the work. The hacker mentality, I love it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Biggest advantage of the Canon, and I found two open source projects for the Canon that looked awesome. One is Magic Lantern, and the other one is CHDK. Both projects are pretty similar in the functionalities that they give you. Having longer recording times, being able to record a higher quality, a bunch of different features that you can add. And on the Canons, this runs off the SD card and doesn't overwrite the current firmware. 
That's so it's cool. not going to mess with your warranties. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't like it, you're not worried about getting back to stock. That's a really big notch in Canon's hat there. Then I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. Very absolutely. good. And also one of them's called Magic Lantern. Good name. You get a marketing approval by Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Very great name. So that's it for the camera corner this week. Thank you guys so much for sending in more questions. I absolutely love hearing your feedback about this and getting to know what you want to hear more of. So make sure that you jump onto the discourse and drop your question in. Or remember, you can also do it in the Telegram chat. Just make, st- make sure you hashtag it ha camera corner so that i can find it in the chat well that's it our seventh episode of hardware addicts is a wrap thank you so much for listening to the show that brings you your bi-weekly tech fix if you're not all lit up on tech yet then be sure to check out all the great content on the destination linux network head to destinationlinux.network to check out all the great podcasts youtube partners there's so much there to fill your brains with Remember, there's no such thing as too much hardware. Learn, build, innovate, and grow. And next time, be sure to check us out for the next episode where we're going to be doing episode 8, or in other words, episode series X8, series 10X series. I mean, that's their system of doing it. Why can't we do it? (laughs) We just did. Because we're better than that.